My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, so if you want to head over there, that'd be great. And Dave, what page are we on? Uh, page 93, is that where we are? Yep. So we've got your green books from page 93. Uh, if you're online or in the class, you need a green book, they're at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, so we're going to pick up today with verses uh, 6 and, Lord willing, 7. If I can get through the second Greek word in verse 6, then we will cover verse 7 today. And if not, then... Okay, hang on just a second. We have to address the elephant in the room. I have never seen Dave Barber wear that many colors at one time. It is a good look, brother. It is a good look. So, there you go. Fantastic. Well, I just, it's, it's documented for all time now. Oh, I don't need a fashion show. I just, yeah, yeah let's, let's keep everything where it needs to be. So, here we go. Great. So uh, let's read through Philippians chapter 4 before I digress too much. Uh, and we'll pick up with verse 2 and uh, head all the way to verse 23. And if you would this morning, uh, while you're listening to this, see how much, if you think this is right, see how much of verses 4 through 7, uh, I would argue even 8 through not 8 and 9, can apply backward to Yodia and Syntyche when dealing with their issue. So that's, that's something I just want you to kind of keep a, an ear out for as I read chapter 4. All right, Philippians chapter 4. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, 
and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. All right, so we're picking up in verse 6. So Paul's just addressed the, like I, I would argue, the one real issue that he needs to address with the Philippians, with Yodi and Syntyche. And he's followed that up in verses um, in verse 3 with this other third party that's within the church there to help. Verse 4 is the rejoice in the Lord. To say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. We talked last week about this encouragement that this is not... We don't think this threatening, kind of overbearing, lording over perspective, but rather an encouragement. And then we get to verse 6. Don't worry about anything. All right. So this word, uh, don't, is really s- simple. It just means don't or not. Uh, and then we get to the word uh, worry. So let's go ahead and jump right into the the morphology here. So this is a plural, present, active imperative. So this is another group standing order, right? So this is, this is something that is not directed at a single individual, but rather at a group, at least, at least two people this is targeted to. Uh, so don't worry about anything. And you'll notice that there's no bracketed words around or after about and anything. The, the Greek just says not keep on worrying. Like that's just, just don't do this. It's very, very direct, very straightforward. And this word shows up several times uh, in the New Testament. Uh, specific, the, the, the bulk of the occurrences occur in Matthew chapter 6. Does anybody know anything that might have been talked about in Matthew chapter 6? Yeah, so this is the, uh, uh, the, the section, the Sermon on the Mount. So chapter 5 are the Beatitudes, you've got chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer, and then there's this really extended section at the end of chapter 6 that just talks about anxiety and worries, and uh, is there a specific animal that comes to mind? Sparrows, right? You're like, hey, sparrows get a shout out, cool, that's awesome. Because do the sparrows, are the sparrows worried? Are they an example of worry, or are they an example of not worry? Not worry, okay, so like... Ted Lasso almost got it right. Don't be like a goldfish. Be like a sparrow, perhaps. Right. Uh, so this this idea of not worrying. So this is very very tightly aligned with what Jesus has taught. This parallel passage happens in Luke chapter twelve, uh, and then Paul writes to the Corinthians. And actually, once you to, if you've got a Bible, flip over to First Corinthians chapter seven. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this is in the midst of an uh, extended section on uh, married, uh, married people, unmarried people, widows, those relationships within a church. 
And, and Paul, Paul calls out a section here on, uh, and the CSB says it in verse 32, I want you to be without concerns. Does that sound fair? You shouldn't be like walking around concerned all the time. Yeah, okay, all right. So the unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Would, would, would those of you who have been married, would you like for the, those of you ladies, would you like for your husbands to be concerned about you in a positive way, not in this anxiety-inducing, like, that's a good thing, right? Like, there should be some attention paid, some direction, some effort. Okay, good. So right now, you might be thinking, well, hang on, Jim. This sounds different than what Jesus just said. All right, good. So I wanted us to see this, this, this contrast. So, Dave, let's go to the next slide. Uh, and if you sense that this word has two different meanings, it does. And they're basically radically opposed to each other. So the first is to be apprehensive or to have anxiety, to be anxious, to be unduly concerned. The second is to attend to, for, attend to care for, or be concerned about. So pretty obviously, the Corinthians text here is like, what are we caring for? What are we tending to? And the Matthew and the Luke texts are up here. The, this is a problematic level of anxiety. Now, the, the interesting thing about this particular word is that in the letter to the Philippians, so in Philippians, flip back over to Philippians 2.20, Paul uses this one word in both of these ways in the same letter, which drove me nuts the first time that I saw this. And was like, time out. And this is what I, I was actually... Uh, talking before class began about what I typically do and when to prep for a lesson. So the, like the quotes and this kind of stuff is usually seven, ten days at most before I teach a lesson. The reading and reading and reading and praying and praying and thinking, like that's just months and months and months before. So sometimes what will happen is I'll see these, like what, what is that about? It seems like we're saying the opposite things here. So Philippians 2.20 says, uh, 19 says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Exact same Greek word. Radically different definition. Does this make sense? We good on that? So then when we get to Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Do you see how, like that's a, that's a really, really good English translation. A really good English translation. Because they could have said, oh, no, 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 don't care for it. Like, ah, time out. Like, careful now. This is sketchy. All right, Mitch, what you got? Oh, okay. All right. When the pencil goes in the mouth and you turn twice, it's usually a, yep, I'm about to drop some knowledge. So I wanted to create some space for that. The morphology can impact the meaning. Yeah, how the word is written right. Is, is 
Yes. Uh, maybe. Does all right? Somebody grab your phone and go to the other at OurSundaySchool.com. Go to the first green book. Unless does he, nobody has the first green book with them here today, do you? Oh wait, do I have one? Part two. Part I don't have the old one. No, nope. I'm flying blind. We're gonna we're gonna run that to ground real quick. So this is what Bible study looks like to me. Is like, oh, I wonder if that's the... And then you go chase it down. You, we, like, use the resources that we have available to us. So this would be probably page 150-ish in the... You got it already? Yeah, awesome, cool. It's going to be deep into Philippi, that, the first book, uh, Philippians 2.20. So really toward the, end of that, uh, toward the end of that book. Maybe even, like, 160, 170. I don't know. I don't have the page numbers memorized. I'm just guessing at approximate locations here. Do, 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 do. <laughs> like, whose phone can load a 200-page PDF? There you go. <laughs> whose eyes can read font that small? <laughs> oh, so it's, it's radically different. So it's a third singular. So we're talking about one person. Future active indicative. So this is a, there's nobody else in the future who will do this like, uh, who do we say it was? This is uh, Timothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Excellent. I knew there was something there, brother. Thank you. Because you, and so two things you guys should learn about this. Um, I usually know when you have a question or something's made you think. And most of you should never ever, ever play poker. Like, it would not be to your benefit. And if you do, you should not play with me. So, I'm just saying, I will take your money. All right, so verse 6. Uh, <laughs> didn't have that plan going there today, but, you know, you never know. All right, so don't worry. So do we see the, like, we, we, we're not supposed to live up here but this is beautiful. Like, this is wonderful. Like, this is a, like, yeah, absolutely. Care for each other. Attend to each other. Pay attention. Like, you have to be watching. You have to be paying attention. You have to know somebody well enough to do this well. You just don't, you don't stumble. Very few people can stumble into this accidentally. Right? This, is, this takes relationship and intimacy and unity and time together, and it's good, which is why I could share a joke, and I'm going to share it with the whole crew right now. Uh, so I'm going to go grab the book. So I have uh, my new favorite thing to collect. They can still hear me on the online. That's awesome, isn't it? My new favorite thing to collect is uh, prayer books from people who lived hundreds of years ago. So this is Piercing Heaven. It's a collection of prayers from uh, Puritans. And uh, I was asked this morning to lead one of the prayers. And so I go to my prayer books for, like, here's some things that you can say in these types of situations. And I've got two different prayers, and they both happen to be in opposing uh, pages. So I put the piece of paper that was closest to my book this morning that was on my desk as a bookmark. <laughs> it's my Powerball ticket. 
Um, and it is not worth the paper it is printed on, so I will tell you that. So we did not win this morning. Uh, transparency. There you go. All right. Transparency. Better luck at poker. Yeah, yeah. I am good at poker. I am a numbers guy, which is why the lottery is stupid. <laughs> Oh, me. All right, so verse 6, don't worry, right? We can have a right focus with being concerned, like in 220, or we can have a wrong focus of anxiety around stuff. Uh, so application to the bottom of page 93, Christians don't worry. Christians don't worry. So what do we do with that? Don't worry, right? Which is crazy simple to say. And sometimes really difficult to live. Which I think might be an indicator of why it's mentioned so many times in the New Testament. <laughs> you know, the Spirit wasn't not paying attention when he inspired the different gospel writers to record the same account with the same words. This, this is not accidental. These are things on purpose. So, All right, so don't worry about anything. And then the, one of the most beautiful words in this entire sentence is the last English word on page 93, but. So we, we, we're not left with a, a, a hole in our behavior. We are left with direction. So, so when I see and feel and engage in something that makes me want to worry, I have direction. Like I know what we should be doing next. Let's go to the next slide, Dave. So, but, in everything. So let's talk about what in everything means. What does in everything mean? Everything? Yeah. And so what does it mean in the Greek? All, any, every, the whole. Yeah, used 33 times in Philippians. It's just, Paul makes a lot of sweeping statements in Philippians, right? In everything. In a good experience, in a bad experience, in a happy experience, in a sad experience, in a whatever experience, in everything... And then now we're going we're gonna, to we're have a, a couple of phrases here which are the vehicle to get us to what Paul is going to have us to actually do. So in English, it's don't worry about anything, but in everything, think about this almost as a parenthesis, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Oh, the CSB actually offset it with commas. That's perfect. You all know what that means in English when you have a, a phrase that's offset with commas? It's what? It's an aside. It's exactly right. It, it, now, I'm going to say something that I do not believe to be theologically correct. It's grammatically correct. It means you can remove that from the sentence, and it doesn't change the thrust of the main point of the sentence. Now, I did not say, go cross out the stuff in between commas in your Bibles. Like, that is really, really lousy way to, to figure out the how we do things, but it will get you to the actual what. So, present your requests to God. So, don't worry... But in everything, present your requests to God. Like that's the that's the other. The through prayer and petition with thanksgiving is the how we present the requests to God. So we we good on that? Very clear. Okay, cool. So let's look at the words for prayer. The word for prayer means prayer. Um, it is just there's. I've seen people go really deep on the different words for prayer in the New Testament and. 
most of them have like 90% semantic overlap. Like it's just, there's just a lot of Greek words for the word prayer. And it's okay. And Paul likes to use a whole bunch of them. So the first word for prayer just means prayer. And petition. So what's a petition? Do you know what a petition is? It's a request, right? Uh, I, I looked this up in several different uh, Greek dictionaries, and it, it seems to have a slightly more urgent or passionate sense than the prior word for prayer, but not by a ton. So this is the, like, if prayer was a seven on your volume setting, petition's like an eight and a half, maybe. You're like, okay, well, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a specific ask. So prayer's this generic term for all kind of communication back and forth with God. Petition is, I'm making some type of an ask. So why would we in this context, be making an ask? Like, what's driving our need for an ask? You we're worried about something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some situation, there's some scenario, there's some whatever, and in the immediate context of Philippians chapter 4, what has Paul just dealt with? Yodian Syntyche, right? right? So if they, in fact, uh, agreed in the Lord... And then there was rejoicing, and then there was graciousness known to everyone. Could there be anybody in the group who might be worried that they'd fall out again? Uh-huh. Like, the worst arguments that I've been in in my life were not the first time you get in it with somebody. It's the second or the 14th, right? And it tends to escalate and get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's like this, whoa, what in the world's going on here? So there was a specific ask here. All right, so, and then the last word on here is with thanksgiving. It, it literally just means with gratitude. Uh, it's a really well-translated word. So our application in the bottom of page 94 is Christians pray. And I have some parentheses in mind. Instead of worrying, and pray hard, and give thanks. Like, there's a whole bunch of ways that we can kind of summarize this. So Christians pray instead of worrying and pray hard and give thanks. It's like, cool. That's the, that's the how that we are doing this thing that we haven't even got to yet, which is neat. So what do we do with that? Pray and pray hard with thanks. Right? Is there any problem too big for our God? No. He literally spoke everything into existence. I think he can handle it. And if there was something that he needed to address, some issue that arises in our group life that he didn't have at his disposal, he could create it. So even if we look at the situation and you're like, there's no answer. Well, he could create something new. All right. I get, <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> We, we just don't have to worry. We just don't. So, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. And then we get to the, like, what are we going to do about this? And th this is, this is a li I'll, I'll tell you right now, this is a little tricky. It's a little tricky. So, Zeke's like, oh no, what are we about to get into here? Cool. All right, you ready? Present. 
Now, this is a singular present passive imperative. It just means to make known. Paul uses this word in this context in Philippians 1.22. Uh, now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. The word that I know. It just means to make known, to make visible or apparent, or to be aware of something. So present, make known, uh, offer up is another way to, to say this. But this is a singular so if it's a, you know, this is a singular verb. So is this one directed at the group? It's not. It's directed at the individuals in the group. Okay? This is one of those, this is one of those rare commands in Philippians that's not directed at the group. So we're going to pay attention to how this works. So it's a present tense. So this means it's repeatedly done. So each individual repeatedly, and it's passive. So it's done to you. So make... Allow this to happen in your life, and it's an imperative, so it's a command. Each person individually make your. Is the your singular or plural? It's plural. You're like, wait, how does that work? All right. Each individual person is to make the group's requests, because requests is plural as well. So we are called not only to pray collectively for the individual and for the collective, we are also called to pray individually for the collective. I realize that sounded very Borgish. Sorry about that. But uh, for the group, for the church as a whole. Sorry. And I got plenty of sleep last night, and Star Trek still made it in there. So it's crazy. Does that make sense? The The... The, the needle that we're threading with what this looks like. And I'll tell you, this is one of those that it would take an awful lot of English words to explain this clearly it, from these just two Greek words. So I, I, I put in my notes here, said another way, individually, let your church-wide requests be known. Like that would be how I... Now, it, is there anything we typically do as modern Christians that assist us in accomplishing this specific imperative. We take prayer requests, right? And then, and then we abandon them forever until we see that person again and remember, oh yeah, I was... No, 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 no. We take prayer requests and then we go pray. And we make the requests known that others have. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. What is this in response to? Was it at the beginning of this verse? Verse 6? Don't worry, but present your requests. So when I have a concern about something in the body, I have an obligation to go to God with those requests. Does that make sense? Like we don't have an opt-out, well, that's not mine, that's not my job, that's not my relationship, that's not my monkey, that's not my circus. Like, no, 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 no. If it's in this church, it is. We have an obligation to engage upward. But how do we know that, right? How, do we, how could we possibly know if there's an issue? You have to know people well enough to know what's going on. And folks have to be communicative, and we have to be 
a little, at least a little bit transparent about what the problems actually are. Right? It's hard to pray for something you don't know about. Does that make sense? You with me here? So we, we have, and, and so I want this to encourage us here, because we have good, clear, biblical guidance for doing what we're doing. Right? There are some things that we do in church that we do because it works really easy that way, and it cuts out problems, and it's just, it makes things easy. This one comes straight from the text. Yes. That's good. That's good. All right, so application at the bottom of page uh, 95. Christians pray for the requests of other church members. Christians pray for the requests of other church members. It is super clunky wording, and if you've got better wording, I'd love to hear it, but it's pretty straightforward. So what do we do with that? I would say pray specifically for those things. Right? Pray specifically. So Christians pr- pray for the requests of other church members, so pray specifically. And then there's a, there's a point here that I, I sometimes think that it, it may be just like once a year or every two or three years, it might be just good to review. Because the sentence doesn't end there. It doesn't end with present your requests. It ends with present your requests to God, right? So at the bottom of page 96, an application is Christians pray to God. Christians don't just whine into the ether. I'm talking to Jim now, so sorry. If you felt attacked right there, do not, because I have an invisible mirror that I'm looking at myself in. (laughs) Christians pray to God, so what do we do with that? Pray to God. Go to the one who can actually impact things. And then where is Sean McGarvey when I need him? Verse 7 starts with a what? An and. Like, oh, ho, ho, I think the next time somebody asks me to speak on short notice, I'm going straight to Philippians 4, verse 7, because this is a beautiful sermon outline. And, so God's going to do what, what, like watch him do what God does with our dependence on him and not our dependence on self, Right? And the peace of God. Peace is super simple. Paul starts out Philippians with this word. Uh, to the saints, a grace to you and peace. Back in Philippians 1-2. And the peace of God, which surpasses. And this is a, a present active participle. At the bottom of page 96, top of page 97. This means it's, it habitually. Like This is what it, it... The peace just can't... Like God's peace just can't help but surpass all understanding. Like That's what it is. And I love, you know, if, if Simon Peter had written the peace of God surpasses all understanding, I'd go, yeah, but Simon, you're, like, you're not the sharpest crayon in the box, man, okay? Like, I get it. But this is coming from the Apostle Paul, who I dare say could put his intellectual wits up against anybody else in the New Testament, and they're probably all going to back down pretty quick. Like, he is sharp, sharp, sharp intellectually. And he's the one saying that it passes all understanding. It's amazing. So, so what, what, what's an application here at the bottom of page uh, 97? God's peace surpasses understanding. God's peace surpasses understanding. So I'm going to have 
four applications and then one personalization. All right. So we'll get to the personalization at the bottom of page 98 here in a second. So the peace of God passes all understanding. So God's going to do something peacefully that might not rationally or logically have been what we expected. Has God ever done something like that in your life? Where he just resolved, you're like, well, how could that have, ha like, but that can't come together. That, but what? All right. In that moment, in that just moment of confusion, praise the Lord. Because that's what the peace of God looks like and feels like. And intellectually, when you're wrestling with it, like, what is going on? God is going on. <laughs> like, he's doing what only he can do in a way that only he can do it. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So God's peace surpasses understanding. Yes, ma'am. I love that you couldn't hold that in. Thank you. Because you were, you, you were like, yes. God's peace surpasses, did I not put all? I did not put all. God's peace surpasses all understanding. Thank you. Change your notes. That was an insufficient application. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Putting my notes back in my protective sleeve. Here we go. I'm very lousy at this. So God's peace surpasses all under, thank you very much all understanding, comma, there's more, this is a list, and will guard, so this is a future indicative, so this is going to happen 100%, this word just means to guard, it's a really simple straightforward word, it's not super complicated, the other three times it shows up in the New Testament it's talking about guarding something physically or figuratively, so it's just to protect, he will guard your hearts, so why would our hearts need guarding? From worry. Do, do you see the connectedness of this entire two-sentence? I mean, this is a beautifully, it's a, a tightly knit argument, and it is directly tying back to what the problem was, right? So, so has wor does worry happen in our minds? Yes. Can worry happen in our hearts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what is God doing? Here we go. We're going to address this. So God's peace guards hearts. God's peace guards hearts. So God's peace surpasses all understanding. Application number two, God's peace guards hearts. Top of page 98. And we're not done. But wait, there's more. And minds. You're like, well, wasn't that the same thing as you just said? No, 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 no. Like the, the first is he's going to blow your mind. The second is he's going to guard your mind, right? This is, this is a little different. Like the, the answer is going to be outstandingly, unbelievably, incomprehensibly impressive, and he's going to protect us while he does it. You're like, well, that's pretty cool, because I feel like when my mind gets blown, I probably need some protection in that space too, <laughs> which is just, this is just kindness run amok here, which sounds like God. So he's going to guard your hearts and minds. So application number one, the bottom of page 98, God's peace guards minds. God's peace guards minds. Uh, 
And this is one of the, again, one of the reasons I love Paul is that everything centers around Christ Jesus. Everything centers around Christ. So he's going to, God's peace is going to surpass all understanding. God's peace is going to guard hearts. God's peace is going to guard minds in Christ Jesus. And then application number two at the bottom of page 98, God's peace centers in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is where it is rooted in. That is where it comes from. That is what we are tethered to. That is what we cannot get away from. And when we do, what happens? Yodi and Sintiki fight. And it creates calamity. And it creates conflict. And it creates worry. And it creates opportunity to drift further and further and further. It's like, nope. Paul says, get back and get centered in Christ Jesus. So God's peace centers in our Lord Jesus Christ. I had on, and it's not, actually not what the text says. The text says in. God's peace centers in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do with that? Uh, I would argue that we should rejoice. <laughs> like rejoice, this is good. There is a resolution for our worry. And then I have in my notes, in parentheses, and don't worry. Because <laughs> right, we had to close the loop all the way back. Rejoice and don't worry. Isn't that a fun text? Like just... <sighs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. All right, so uh, technically we ended at the end of page, uh, top of page 99. Uh, so Lord willing, we'll start next week with verse 8, where Paul uses... And don't get excited, but he uses the word finally, okay? Don't get excited, like, <laughs> tap the intellectual brakes, because we're not landing the plane yet. Like, I, think he, I think he knows where the airport is at this point, but we have not even identified a runway, so just, just be aware. All right, so we've got our uh, weekly updates on your tables, so if you would, uh, lean in, engage, pray for somebody that you don't know. Pray for somebody that you do know. Those are both good. Uh, and then after you have prayed, you are free to go and to worship the one who God's peace is centered in. Right? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He's a beautiful Savior, and it's amazing we get to worship him. So, thanks for coming today, guys.